Hey, good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, in a sense, we, we wish you were here, um, but we're glad that you're joining us online. Um, just want to take kind of a moment to kind of give you some expectations as to you know how service is kind of run going to run this morning, so that um, yeah you can participate with us. So really, it should feel like a like a pretty sun pretty similar Sunday morning, uh, just you're at home instead of at the church. So we'll still worship together this morning through song. Um, Jake has some announcements for us uh, to keep you in the know about things that are that are still going on that we're, we're still doing as far as outreach and, and staying involved and active. Um, the Pastor Tom is bringing the message this morning, and, and we'll close with some, some worship through song again. So um, we just invite you this morning at home, whether you're in your PJs, whether you got dressed this morning, whether you're sitting at your kitchen table, whether you're on the couch, um, just to participate in worship with us. You know, as we're singing, if it's comfortable to, to sing out as a family, sing out. If you just want to listen, um, just listen. As Pastor Tom is preaching, the, the bulletin for this week can be found um, online, so you can follow along there um, and, and engage and, and stay active that way. Um, we do want to encourage you as you're watching through Facebook Live this morning to, to get involved with the comments, with the feed. Um, that's a really good way to, to stay engaged and to engage others. Honestly, it's almost as if you get to talk during class. You, you can kind of comment back and forth and um, get that dialogue going. So, anyway, thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, we're excited to worship together this way. And let's start off with some songs.
Rest on. 
singing with us this morning. Um, I hope that was encouraging for you. Jake's going to come on up. Um, He's got a few announcements for you, things going on and coming up. Um, So he'll come do some announcements and we'll continue with our service. Welcome New Hope. A little bit different. We're online. So welcome to New Hope online. Um, Just a couple of announcements. It's a little different. I don't have any big events because that's just not where we're at right now. But what I do want to point to you, point you towards is to our online resources. Um, our social media team has been rocking it. They've got a lot of different resources for you on Facebook, both posts and stories and Instagram as well. Just challenges, encouragements. It's just been, it's been cool. Some, something that I'm missing is I'm missing community, but, and it's different than getting together face to face, but it's still an encouragement and still a blessing. I know there's video chats happening and that's awesome. Um, I know Katie, our kids ministry director has got some kids resources. So if you're struggling what to do with your kids as they're going on week two, um, reach out to her at kids at newhopeadel.org or our students Instagram is um, being run by students and that's just been a blessing as well. Um, Normally what we do at this time is we take offering, and we're still going to provide a time for you guys to do that. In just a minute, you'll be able to see how you can give online or when you're not here. Um, But what we like to do is share what's going on at New Hope. And right now we're not meeting, but we actually had a really cool experience. If you missed it or um, if you haven't heard about it, on Wednesday, we did a worship Wednesday. Gabe and his wife, Jill, just led worship in their living room, and it was It's one of the most powerful worship experiences I've witnessed before. Um, It was weird. We weren't all in the same place, but there was just such a feeling of just community there. And we were were all worshiping together. The the comments were going crazy. I I was joking. We went a little bit Pentecostal in the comments. Like we were out yelling and whooping and hollering. And that was just such an awesome thing. I want to share with you some wins about that. So at the moment we went live, we had 120 people uh, live logged in which means there were over 200 people watching at that exact moment. But in the week since, or in the half week since then, we've had over 4,000 people had that come across their screen. We had hundreds of people comment on it. We, I, I it was, I would say talking, but we were emailing about it. And um, someone noticed that we reach more people online with that one thing than could ever come in this building. And it's just such a blessing to see. God is not taking a break during this time. God is still working. He is active, and he's working through New Hope Church and through all you guys. So um, as we, as we, there should be a a slide coming on. I can't actually see him. Sorry. We're still working through this online thing. Um, Gabe says it's on, but you can still give online. We're still trying to do things to encourage you to build community and just to help people find and follow Jesus. So prayer for last for you to consider that. I'm going to, I'm going to pray as um, Pastor Tom looks to come on. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for God who is bigger than this pandemic, who is bigger than this outbreak, who is bigger than just this weird time we're in, Lord, that you are able to do more than we could ever ask or think, even in this time, Lord. 
I pray that we would be faithful to you, that we would trust you, whether that's trusting that things will eventually return back to normal or trusting that you are able to still work in this time or trusting that even with our finances, Lord, I pray that you would just give us the strength and the faith we need for this difficult time. And Lord, I pray primarily that you would give us the community we need, that we can still find ways to encourage each other, to love one another, to provoke one another to good works, Lord. Pray that you would still be working. I know that you're still going to be working, but I pray that we as the church would see you working, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jake, and good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you here online this morning to have church community in this manner. As you've uh, just heard, we're still going. The church is still alive and active. I saw a couple of responses from people in various social media contexts this last week that said, our church is shutting down. No, churches aren't shutting down. Jesus is alive and well and working. The Spirit of God is working on planet Earth, and he's working today. We are very glad you're with us. As I said, I'm Pastor Tom, part of this awesome staff. Thank you guys for leading us and helping us to enter into worship. We are so thankful to be able to be here together and for this amazing congregation, New Hope Church, and what God is doing. This is a new way to do church. I tell you what, I have worshipped in the living rooms, in the homes across the world, in Asia, in house churches. One time I went all the way out in the jungle in Africa, and we worshipped under this little shaded spot there with about 25 children and three adults. But this is one of the most unusual worship kind of situations that I've ever been in. But God's here. The church is not the building. The church is all of you. And so welcome, whether you're a regular part of New Hope Church, whether you're someone new, we're just glad to have you here with us this morning. This is a new and challenging time for us, isn't it? It's an unusual time, a difficult time. But you know, the Church of Jesus Christ has existed and has ministered and thrived through the ages, from the catacombs of Rome to the Dark Ages through 9-11, and the Church of Jesus Christ is going to continue through this coronavirus scare. I know that for some of us, it's a very anxious time. And we struggle wondering what's going to happen. Am I going to catch the virus? Are my loved ones going to catch it? And so we just ask God for his protection, his help, his strength during this time. That's what I'm praying. I know that's what you're praying as well. For some of us, I know for myself, it's been a little bit of a frustrating time just trying to figure out how do I utilize these social media tools. Last night, we were on the phone trying to use Google Hangouts with the family. And so we got the Google Hangouts on my phone. We start there, and Kathleen says to me, it's not loud enough. It's not loud enough. So I start shaking the phone, you know, oh, this isn't working. And I said, I got it as loud as I can go. So then we went over and said, well, let's try the laptop. So I open up the laptop, and uh, my kids start saying, we can't see you. And so I'm trying to figure out the camera function. I want my grandson to see me. And so I know it's a frustrating time for us trying to figure out some of these computer tools and things and trying to sort out what does work look like in this context? What does church community look like in this context? And again, we pray through, we work through, try to sort through some of those different emotions we have. I know for myself, it was a difficult week just trying to work through doing life. And for a while, I felt a little bit down, just kind of sorting some of that, those emotions through. We're not used to being by ourselves, working by ourselves, having this six-foot distance uh, between us. And so... It's stretching us, it's calling us back to our relationship with God to find new ways to have relationships one, with one another. 
But also, I think it's really important to think about people who are not able to be online, some of the folks that don't use computers, and we just pray for them. I'm sure it's a very frustrating time. Maybe some of us might want to invite others over to our house that you know uh, who may not have access to those kinds of opportunities. Maybe the older generation, sometimes folks in smaller churches don't have these kinds of opportunities. But it's also a time when we can pray for one another, we can care for one another in unique kinds of ways. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the message. We are in John 13 this morning. This would be a good day for you to have a Bible there. I won't be able to have all the passages up on the PowerPoint like we usually do just because we don't have the room to do that today. But you have your Bible or you can look it up online and follow along in John 13, 1 through 17, a very familiar passage where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I'm calling this message WWJD. I was thinking and reflecting on the passage, and last week Gabe's story about how he was really thinking about how he wanted to find one of those little wristbands that say WWJD really prompted me to think about calling this passage WWJD. What would Jesus do? It was a question that we were asking back in the 90s. And it just helps us to think about the various opportunities that are coming. But as I was engaging in conversation with Kathleen, I said, well, how about if we change that acronym to what will Jesus do? Because we believe that Jesus is going to do something. I mean, this is a part of the frustration that we have right now is trying to sort out, what does this all mean? What is going on, Lord? But we know that God has worked, he will work in and through our lives when his people move out during times of crisis to minister as we serve people, as we love people. What will Jesus do? And then Kathleen gave me one more idea. She said, well, how about a statement? Watch what Jesus does. And so some thoughts to think about as we go through this passage. We are called to love as Jesus loved, to serve as Jesus served. We don't do it out of our own power because that's very limited. But we do it in the strength of the Holy Spirit with God's help. Now I know when I bring up the topic of serving, especially serving through love and serving as a way we love, that for some of us that can be a pretty tiresome kind of question. Moms serve really well, dads serve really well too, serve their children and become very tired doing that. Workers serve at their jobs, volunteers serve, and so we have to do it with God's power, God's strength, not our own. This passage uh, tells us that we're called to a lifestyle of loving through serving. And that's where, we, where we're going this morning. We are in this series on the Gospel of John. And you'll also find on our website a devotional guide that you can download. And so that's still available. You can still use it. John wrote his account of the experiences that he had living with Jesus, talking with Jesus, ministering with Jesus. And so turn your Bible to John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. You remember the original setting is that it's the night before Passover. It's Thursday night, and Jesus and his disciples were gathering there in the upper room. They were all there. Peter was there. John was there. Judas was there. They had spent three years traipsing around with Jesus up and down the hills of Galilee and in Jerusalem. They'd eaten meals together. And the problem was that things were ramping up. The pressure was ramping up. And as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about the disciples were in a situation much like us. They didn't know what was next. They didn't know what was going to happen next. 
Things were tough. Things were going on that were kind of knocking them off their block. And so they were struggling. It was an uncertain time for them, just like it's an uncertain time for us. Now in the other gospel accounts, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we find that those gospel writers pick up on what Jesus taught about communion. And so our celebration of communion comes from those passages. John, the Gospel of John was written to supplement what the other Gospel writers wrote, and so John focuses on what Jesus did, how he ministered during this time. And verse 1 says that Jesus knew that his time on earth was short, that his days were numbered, and so he has important truth to share with them and to share with us. Jesus knew that this Passover would be the time that he was revealed as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John 1.29 says. Jesus knew that while there were thousands and thousands of lambs that were sacrificed at the Passover, that this was the Passover, the Passover for the whole world. Jesus knew that his time was short. And so, first application is that the time is now. The time to minister is now, today. What we do today matters. The decisions we do today matters. And, you know, we're trying to sort out all these things uh, with our phone, with social media, and utilize some of those tools. And I encourage you, as I struggle kind of working this through myself, just how do we do this? How do we do this effectively? How do we do it well? How do we love people utilizing our phone, utilizing those social media tools? And I encourage you, try to figure out ways to utilize those tools to love people. Next we go on, the end of verse 1 says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. John tells us that Jesus had shown love to his disciples, that They'd been with him. They'd seen the miracles that he'd done as he fed the 5,000, as he healed the sick, as the eyes of the blind were opened, even raising the dead back to life. And Jesus loved his disciples. But now it says he showed them and he shows us the full extent of his love. Or some versions have, he loved them to the end. One version says, he loved them to the uttermost. That is, he loved them, he loved us all the way to Calvary. That's the idea. Jesus says later in John 15, he says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And so, Jesus is showing broadly in this passage, he's showing us that the greatest love is there at the cross, but he's also showing us that love comes as he serves, as we serve. And even though in these passages, as we turn the corner in John 13, as Jesus heads to the cross in 24 hours, he will be on the cross where our sins are forgiven. And in three days, in four days, he'll be raised to new life. Even though all the weight of the world was upon him, Jesus chooses unselfishness. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples in this simple, humble act, and he's our disciple. We're his disciple, and he's our example. Now, as we go on, there are some lessons in this passage. you notice, for example, in verse 2, on the actions of Satan and of Judas. Verse 2, verse 10, verse 11, talk about this. This could be a whole another message. And so I'm not going to spend much time on this part of the passage. That'd be another message for another time. But what I do want you to notice is that Even at this time where Jesus is loving in the way he serves, even in this time of significant ministry, even as Jesus is going to the cross, there is this spiritual opposition. And any time we step out for the Lord, there is spiritual opposition that is going on at the same time. Let's go on in verse 3. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so secure people serve. Jesus knew what his mission was. He knew that his mission was to go to the cross, was to secure salvation for us. And so in like manner, we might describe a person who knows their calling, a person who knows their mission as a secure person. We don't have to be anything than what we really are called to be. We can't be turned from what we're called to do. One illustration. Some of you know the name of Lauren Sani, who was president of the Navigators for about 30 years. Originally from Iowa, I found out as I was doing a little research on him. He was uh, president, general director of the Navigators ministry. And during Lauren Sani's leadership, the Navigators grew from a staff of 171 in fewer than a dozen countries to 2,580 staff in 71 countries, including my own brother Gary Hine, who served in Croatia with Navigators for about 10 years. So I was reading about Lauren Sani and the many accomplishments that he had. He developed follow-up material for the Billy Graham organization. He had the honor of being acknowledged as the Christian Manager of the Year in 1987. His teaching made a difference in the lives of thousands. But he passed away in 2005. And what I learned was that at his memorial service at First Evangelical Free Church in Colorado Springs, that one of the things that stood out that people commented on was the day when Lauren Sani came out of church, took off his soup coat, and he helped change the tire for a young single mother. That's what stood out. The small action that he did of love to serve this woman. And so it's no surprise that when Lauren Sandy was asked, how do you know who is a servant? How do you know what a servant is? How do you know how to have a servant attitude? He said this, you know you have a servant attitude by how you act when you're treated like one. In the Christian life, it's important to know who you are. You're loved by God. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. You're a part of God's family. If you haven't taken that step of responding to the love of Jesus, we invite you today to join the family of God, to know who Jesus is, to know who Jesus calls you to become. You're accepted. You're loved. You're cherished. You're secure. You're free from condemnation. You're a citizen of heaven. You have grace available for every situation. You're significant. You're the salt and light of the earth. You're a branch of the true vine. You're God's beautiful temple and ambassador in the kingdom of God. That's who God calls you to be and to become. Pretty amazing. And so we ask the question, what will Jesus do? through you and me, when we become the servants he calls us to become. So we follow this passage, it's a beautiful passage, we find that love meets needs. So Jesus got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, after that he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Some of you who have been around New Hope for a lot of years know that the tagline that we used for years was meeting needs today, giving hope forever. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. Now, a lot of you know this passage and know some of the cultural background of what took place that there weren't any paved roads back in those times. People walked through the dust and the dirt. And dust and dirt and walking on a dirt path does not work very well when you come into a house. So when people came into a house, they had their feet washed. Some large households might have a servant who did this. Most people just had someone in the house who would volunteer to do it. 
So the dinner guests had come to the upper room. The disciples had come, but none of them had volunteered for the role of head toe washer. None of them. We know from the other gospel accounts that they had something else on their mind. The other gospel accounts tell us that they were having a little argument. Do you remember? A little argument about who's number one. And they're all thinking, I'm number one. When Jesus comes into his kingdom, I'm number one. They're all thinking about that, arguing about that. And we don't have all the details here, but apparently this went on for a while. And finally Jesus strips down, very simply comes and begins washing their feet as an act of love. And again, it's not recorded if any of the disciples said anything. I imagine there was silence. There was the humility. There was humbling that took place as in front of each disciples, Jesus very gently, very lovingly washed their feet. Until he came to Peter, who always liked to stick his foot in, the mo- in his mouth, and he said, you don't have to wash my foot, Jesus. I'll just stick it in my mouth. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Peter just had a hard time believing that Jesus, his Lord and teacher, would stoop to this level. Probably thought that Jesus was the leader, that the one at the top should be served instead of serving. And maybe Peter even thought that when Jesus finished his gig, he could step in to the same role. And so Jesus says that Peter has to have his feet washed if he's going to have any connection. And so Peter says, then not just my feet, I'll jump into the whole bathtub. So here we find that foot washing illustrates the Christian life. It pictures the Christian life. Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. You're clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said not everyone was clean. So you can imagine a person that was going to a party, going to a meal in the first century would bathe, would clean up, would put on clean clothes. But when they arrived, they had to go through the dirt and the dust, and so then they needed to have their feet washed. And so here we have a picture. The bath pictures salvation. It pictures forgiveness. It pictures the cleansing of sin. So 1 Corinthians six nineteen, for example, says, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. In Titus 2.5, it says, He saved us through the washing of rebirth, renewal by the Holy Spirit. So, a bath pictures salvation, the washing away of our sins. And then the foot cleansing pictures daily confession, 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is righteous and just and will forgive us. And the cleansing of the feet pictures that daily time of reflection on our relationship with Jesus and the forgiveness that comes on a daily basis. Fact is, we sin every day, and so the Lord provided that method of daily cleansing, that method of reconnection with him. That's the picture that we're given here. Now, verses 12 through 16 goes on and tells us, therefore, do what Jesus has done. Love in the way Jesus has loved. Serve in the way Jesus has served. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. 
You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Let's just pause there a second. He is teacher and Lord. This is one of the great statements in Scripture. He is teacher and Lord. Jesus says it. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus is Lord. We sang it. Incontainable. Indescribable. He names the stars. Our Lord, our Master. He's our cornerstone. He's the supreme ruler of everything in heaven and on earth. And he humbles himself and he kneels down and washes the feet of his disciples in an act of love. The Lord of the universe kneels to serve, and suffers to save. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for all who would trust in him as Lord and Savior and call him teacher. And Lord, is he your teacher? Is he your Lord? I love him. Do you? I love him because of who he is, because of what he did, what he does, what he is doing, what he's going to do, what Jesus will do. And Jesus said, this is what we are to do. This is how we're to love, to do what Jesus has done, and then we'll see what Jesus will do. Maybe you've heard this story, little story, that's not my job. This is a story about four people named Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. I'm going to read it so I get it straight here. There was a job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. What if Jesus had said, it's not, not my job? But he didn't, did he? He said, it's my job to love and to serve, to go to the cross. And it's our job to love and to serve. That's our calling. And then verse 17 Jesus says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now, the word blessed means joyful, contented. There's good news and bad news this morning. The bad news is that feet stink, don't they? It's hard to serve. There's nothing we can do about that. Foot washing is not always pleasant. Now, there's lots of service that is pleasant, But sometimes we have to clean up other people's messes. Sometimes we have to do hard things physically, spiritually, emotionally. And this is one of those times, I think, in our lives during the coronavirus scare here where we have to do hard things. Where as we're working through our emotions, that we call upon God in the midst of those feelings. When we talk about social isolation, we do feel isolated at times. And I encourage you, pick up a phone, contact someone, interact with someone, serve someone, find a way to do it, to be blessed. Jesus says there that we are blessed when we love others through serving, that there's joy that comes. Now, I hesitate to give too many examples because there's millions of things that we could do, but I'm going to give a few to stimulate you to love and good works. We serve others when we encourage them. Words of encouragement are one of the ways that we serve and that we love. We serve others. We love others when we ask them questions. How are you doing? during this time? How are you feeling about what's going on? And then listen. Listen, talk, love, pray, 
We serve others with our hands like Jesus did. Perhaps many of us are at home a lot more than we expected, so take the opportunity to serve. Cook meals, to serve others, possibly. One of the things that happened this last week was talking with my parents. Some folks bought them some groceries and took them to their house. That's the kind of thing that you might be able to do. Once we get back here at the church, there's always lots of ways to love and to serve on our campus, cleaning up our campus, moving chairs, and a lot of you do those kinds of things. Some of us might want to give a note of encouragement, send a note of encouragement to someone. There might be someone you know who is in a difficult financial situation. You could send a gift card, send send a $20 bill. Once we get back out here, you could serve in the Amplify ministry. You could serve in the nursery. These are important ways to serve. At home, you can clean up the kitchen even when it's not your turn. You can pick up your own laundry or pick up other people's laundry. In the end, what Jesus is calling us to is a lifestyle of serving and loving. How's your life? What's your style? And what will Jesus do? As church, we step out, we call upon God, we call upon his spirit, his help, not doing this on our own, but in the power of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, what will Jesus do? And the Word of God says we'll be blessed. I'm looking forward to the stories that will come, the testimonies that will come from this time as many of us take those opportunities that come to love others, to serve others in any way we can. And when this coronavirus event is over, whether it's next week, whether it's next month, whether it takes longer, we're in confident faith knowing that God is our helper, he's our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, as Psalm 46.1 says. Let's call upon him now, together as the church. Call upon his help in our time of trouble. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. We thank you for your life the life of love that was lived here on earth, that you are our Lord and our teacher. Lord, help us to learn more of what it means to be your follower. Help us to respond when we're feeling anxious, to call upon your strength, for you to calm our nerves. Lord, give us creativity, When we're feeling lethargic, when we're feeling lonely, just prompt us to reach out, to serve, to help, to bring a word of encouragement to someone else. Lord, help us to sort out ways to work and to minister and to love others. We love you. We thank you. Lord God, I pray if there be one today who's listening and for the first time, says, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead for me. Jesus, I pray for that one right now. Come into their life, come into their heart, and just build the church of Jesus, the family of God. Thank you, Lord God, for the tools we have, like the internet, like the opportunity we have to be able to do this worship service online. Now we give you praise and glory for all you're going to do. We come not in our own power, but in confident faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's sing one more song as we close our worship this morning. That was awesome. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Um, the last song we're going to sing is called I Will Follow, um, and it's all about the idea of following Jesus' example. Um, as Pastor Tom made clear, we have a, a tremendous example in Jesus. Um, so as you join us, let's, let's keep that in mind, that our job now is to follow Jesus' example.